When you step into a group and you are vulnerable and the person across from you goes, man, I get it. That sucks. I'm so sorry. Like, I've been there. My husband's done that. My, my, I've, I've been in that behavior before as a man. Like, there is something healing about seeing the grace that you receive from another individual that you don't get when you're not open with others. Chris, you said it again. What did I say? <laughs> you said mic drop. Well, that's because we have so many good quotes in every episode. I can't help it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. The, you're right. I mean, I can't argue with that. I, I'm really excited for today's podcast. I think we say that every single time. Maybe we just really like what we do. I don't know. But, I think you're onto something there. <laughs> uh, today's podcast, uh, we have Jeremy Waldridge. He is the uh, director uh, or executive director at Pure Life Alliance. He is a he's a man that I admire greatly. He has been through the process, and um, I have a, a great respect for not only how where he's come from and what he's been through, but what he has done um, as a result following um, what he described. Would he describe it as, Chris? What was it? Uh, drop day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, drop, drop dead. dead drop day. dead yeah. versus, yeah, mm-hmm. versus discovery day. So, um I'm really looking forward to hearing some feedback as to how others resonate with this podcast today. Mm -hmm. And I love that he went into describing not only uh, kind of the recovery, some of the recovery process for he and his wife and some of the uh, mindsets they had and advice they were given that he shares with the listeners. uh, But um, he also describes... uh, what the Pure Life Alliance process is. And one thing I really appreciate, there's so many great ministries out there, so many great ministries out there that help with the betrayed spouse and the struggling spouse. But one thing that sets Pure Life Alliance apart is that they have ongoing groups. So if a woman calls in, they're set up with a mentor who's going to take her through a one-on-one individual mentoring process. In addition to that, there's a group that a woman can walk into at any time, and uh, it's the doors are always open, mm-hmm. and that's just beautiful. So um, there's always someone there. There's always women to go talk to and always someone to surround you and uplift you. And and we as women get to be a part of that process of helping others and making our mess our message, too. So, so good. So yeah. with that, friends, enjoy today's podcast with Jeremy Waldridge from Pure Life Alliance. Today, our guest is Jeremy Waldridge. He is the executive director at Pure Life Alliance, and he is going to share with us not only a little bit about the organization itself, but also about his recovery with his wife and where they are today. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Would you just introduce yourself to the guests, please? Yes, thank you guys for having me. I'm glad to be here and talking with your audience. Uh, My name is, as you mentioned, Jeremy Waldridge. I've been the executive director at Pure Life Alliance since 2020. Great year. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've actually been involved in the ministry since 2009. So um, it's a ministry that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, it's men like you that have actually walked with people like my husband. And we know that it's not our job to fix our spouse or to make him walk 
his healing path, but it's resources like you and organizations that, that you run that really bring a lot of hope to so many of that. So I am really, I am really glad that you're here today to, to shed some light on your own story and how that may um, bring hope and healing to other people's stories as well. Jeremy, you and your wife have a recovery story in your journey of unwanted sexual behavior. And after Discovery Day, how long did it take you to get to the place where you earned her trust and safety? And how did you go about doing that? <laughs> well, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I wouldn't say we had a, a typical Discovery Day Um I was caught multiple times early on in my journey, early on in our marriage. Um, and like a lot of guys, my response was very much, uh, it's not really a big deal. I'll take care of it. We'll get over it. It's not a problem. I even went to a support group for a while and and came up with a, uh, what I would say, legitimate excuse. And for those who were listening, they I had air quotes around that because it really wasn't legitimate at all um, for why I needed to leave my support group because it just wasn't meeting my needs. Um, And so it wasn't until um, my sin, my behavior, my unwanted sexual actions became very public uh, that I had to do something about it. And so that, I guess, would be considered the official discovery day. Well, while my wife knew about it for a long time and had been struggling with my behaviors and, and, uh, to the point I didn't realize, but to the point of ready to, to call it quits. Um, but that day, that time is when it kind of hit me with a ton of bricks. That that was my my rock bottom moment where I realized something needed to change. And that's when I started making changes. But your question was, how long did it take for us to kind of um, move back into to a better relationship? And the reality is it took a long time after that day. Uh, my wife, when she shares our story, she'll say that I was doing everything that I was supposed to, and yet she still was cold to me, and that it took a miracle. It took God relighting that flame for her to, to um, rebuild that intimacy with me. And for us, it took probably about two years after you know my drop-dead moment before we were even to be able to, to talk about what does it look like to be emotionally and physically intimate. Hmm. Interesting. You just said drop dead moment. And so it's interesting that, you know, the women maybe experience a a discovery day or D-Day and you, you guys have a D-Day too, which is your kind of drop dead day. You're yeah. Kind of come to Jesus moment that things need to change. Yeah. And they don't always align, um, which is unfortunate. Oftentimes the, the discovery for a wife happens long before the guy has, has realized, yeah, something needs to change, which is unfortunate. Unfortunate, but also encouraging, I think, to hear that that's kind of more the norm than, than you know, than it happened in, in, use, in unison and both people going at their recovery and with the same energy and ferociousness. So, Essentially, yeah, we, we've entered two different realities. He's got the relief of not having to hide a secret and she's got the burden of the secrets that have just been unloaded. So they're literally living in two different realities. So I, I appreciate that we have a new definition of D-Day, Discovery Day or Drop Dead Day, you know. Yeah. Um, that's really good. So, Jeremy, um, how did you both address triggers and insecurities that took place during your recovery process? It's kind of a big question, but but um, but generally speaking, how did you address those um, in that in that process? 
Yeah. Um, you know, early on, we, we sought both. I, I got help at a group, but we also spot, uh, sorry, sought uh, counseling. And it was really interesting in counseling, you know, I'd go in with my agenda of the things that my wife needs to fix because they're what's causing these triggers. And she would go in with the things that I would need to fix because I'm causing all these problems. And what we found out as we went through counseling, oftentimes the opposites were true. The things that I thought were triggers that she needed to fix were things I needed to fix in me and vice versa. And so it became very clear that, um, the things that were drudging stuff up had more to do with that, uh, with ourselves than it did with the other individual. And that was very helpful. The other thing is my wife, um, uh, she picked up on it. She was much healthier than I was. And she picked up on a lot of that quicker than I did. So even in when we, when we have arguments or um, aspects where um, we needed to change how we were discussing it, she would make that change quicker, uh, which would, first make me feel like an idiot because why am I not making that change quicker? Like how come she's doing this better than me? But it would also help me make that change. Um, and, and that's not her job, but just the action of her making the change allowed for me to make the change. Did you have any specific, oh gosh, I'm, you know, your wife was triggered. So something she did to handle the trigger or you, any specific tools or. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know how much in this podcast you've brought up your skill set with Enneagrams, but I'll, I'll give an Enneagram example. Do it. My wife, my wife is a nine, and so her, her normal reaction would be to uh, step back, um, to not engage. Um, and I, being the um, very talented addict that I was, would utilize that. And so if I felt threatened or felt like I was being challenged, I would roar up because I knew she would step back. And so one of the first things she did and she learned, and I, I jokingly say our pastor taught her how to cuss <laughs> because <laughs> he said it's a time where you just need to be able to cuss. Um, but, but she learned the ability to not step back, but to step in, which mm -hmm. then, you know, would challenge my, my behavior, not, not just my un inappropriate unwanted sexual behavior, but, but my, my anger or my roaring up to try to, to cause a change in her. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what did, what role did individual growth and self-improvement play in revitalizing your relationship, Jeremy? And how did you support each other's personal development? Like you're doing your own work individually, but, but, uh, were you guys able to come alongside each other in your growth as well? Yeah, so I think for me, our support group, being being in a Pure Life Alliance set free group was super helpful for me because not only was I going there and getting to be around guys who experienced some of the same struggles that I did, I was also able to learn from the books that we were doing from, for, you know, understanding what's going on in my brain, understanding what's going on with my thought process, understanding why I make some of the choices I make, thinking about my past, how did that affect my current future? So, so that's kind of my growth journey. Uh, but what was really powerful, and I think a lot of guys, um, they miss out on this is being able to bring that home and just have those conversations with my wife. Hey, this is kind of what I learned in group today. And it gave her um, something tangible to hold on to rather than this is just some crazy pervert over here doing weird stuff. It, it was more of a, oh, okay. 
this is what's leading to this. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but I at least can understand how he got from A to B. And now we can address B because we know how he got there. Awesome. That's good stuff. I, yeah. I'm i curious as to where you guys are today in relationship to your wife. And I don't mean like literally today. Maybe you could literally share today. I don't know. Yeah. But it, just in general, it, where are you today in relationship to her and more importantly, um, this is an area where I've struggled, so I will ask you, uh, being the authority on the subject for today, uh, how do you demonstrate your commitment to not reverting back to old behavior? Because so many times we hear, I, I swear, I, I, am, I am committed, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then many of us experience as wives that, they, that, the, that phase will last two weeks, two months, or something like that, and then that old behavior and patterns start to kind of come back in. So where are you guys today, and how do you demonstrate your commitment to not reverting back? Mm. So I, where are we today? I, I often tell people when I share my story that um, we are in a better place than we ever were before. Um, we spend a lot more time together, and the time is much more... Um, I don't know. It's 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 much more in depth. I don't know. Is that the best way to see it? To to say it is. It's um, our conversations have depth. Our um, you know, we can sit and watch a show and it has depth. I mean, it's just weird that that there is a level of connection there. And I think that some of that recognizing that intimacy is more than just a sexual thing, but there is so much other layers to intimacy. And so, I would say that. Um, I mean, that's good. Even in how we fight, you know, like when we argue, there's, well, there's depth there. Um, one of us is stepping in that depth. Just kidding. But the reality is when we argue, um, we're able to come back together in a quicker manner. We're able to um, address the real issue rather than talking about the subtext of issues that are that have gone by. And all this so is different than the behavior you had before? Oh, yeah, because anytime there was an argument, I'd roar up, she'd go oh. away and then the argument's over yeah right so yeah. that we were never addressing things yeah. and even in the midst even early on when we were starting to address things it would take weeks to really kind of recognize or we'd be arguing about um things that weren't actually the real issue so um so i think that's that's something that is much different today than than you would say five years ago um and then in relationship to your question on how i can share with her um my journey today, how I'm not going to relapse or, or have issues like that. Uh, one thing we tell the ladies in our head heart group, it's probably the most important mantra. We tell the guys, we tell the ladies this as well is, is believe the behavior. It doesn't really matter what I say. Um, but if my wife sees that I'm staying up later, not coming to bed with her, if my wife sees that I'm getting angry quicker, um, those are trigger points for her. And so, so she should be asking me at that point, what's going on? Is there, is there something going on? And sometimes there is something, sometimes there's other issues that lead to those behaviors that need to be addressed. Um, but the reality is I can share with my wife, these are the things that I'm doing today that I wasn't doing 10 years ago. You know, these are the, the steps that I'm taking. That, that is a really fantastic point. I think a lot of what I hear um, when I watch couples heal and what I don't hear is sometimes the husband will share how he got to where he is. So she has a gauge 
um, as far as behavior goes that, that are sort of, like you said, those red flags. And, and so sometimes a husband will do that, but a lot of times husbands don't necessarily do that. So she's only relying on her trauma experience, which is also very valid. Um, because she, she knows, um, patterns and, and whatnot that she sees, but something I've also found very helpful is exactly what you just said. You said, I told her, you know, that these are some of the things to look for. And, um, boy, if that doesn't scream healing together, I don't know what is. So now she's got her set of tools as far as what she's experienced, looking at behavior changing. And now you've given her an extra set of tools also saying, when I do this, this, and this, you know, it's probably a good time, you know, to check in. So that's, that's really helpful. Thank you. It sounds like your bride learned how to take up her territory or take up her space. And I can relate with that as an Enneagram seven, I throw confetti on everything. I have a hard time living in the present and I can identify with you and your wife, Jeremy, because, uh, my husband and I were walking on eggshells a lot. We were absolutely avoiding conflict at all, at all costs. And because of those behaviors or those coping mechanisms that we had adopted to keep peace between us and in the home, uh, it was a false peace and, and we weren't being authentic and we kind of had more of a shallow relationship. It was good, but it wasn't real, you know, in so many ways. And what betrayal trauma did for us was it taught us how to step into that territory, step into the space, speak the truth, identify our needs, speak our needs. And, um, and now as a result, we have emotional intimacy, which as you were mentioning, leads to physical intimacy. That's beautiful and wonderful and whole. So yeah, it's a, it's a great blessing. Um, God does not waste our pain, does he? No, no. And I know you guys are going to have Jake Porter on one time at one of these days, but I'll tell you that, um, he did a training recently on, um, I think it was attachment styles, wasn't it? Thank you. Attachment You're styles. Yeah. I was going, I, I was just right out of the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Attachment styles and just understanding that the rupture actually isn't the issue, it's the repair. And so if we are going to be in relationship with people, there's going to be rupture. That's, that's going to happen. And so how do we do the repair well? And I just really appreciated that. Yeah. That is a great takeaway. In fact, I'm writing that quote down. So, um, can you provide, okay, let's, let's get into pure life alliances. As the listeners know, this podcast is supported, uh, with the help of pure life Alliance and, um, and we're excited about pure life Alliance. So tell us about this ministry. What did it do for you? What did it do for your wife as you recovered? And, um, we'd love to know the history of the ministry as well. Tell us why you're passionate about it. Yeah, so so the history-wise, Pure Life Alliance kind of birthed itself from uh, Pure Desire years and years ago. There wasn't really anything on this side of Portland. Pure Desire is on the opposite side of Portland. I know they're more international, but that's uh, that's where it is office-wise. And so a small church on this side of the west side of Portland decided to have a men's group. And so they kind of partnered with Pure Desire. They kind of launched it, and then they realized that it grew pretty quickly, but not just with the people in their church. It grew within other churches. And so pretty quickly they they separated from being a church organization to being a nonprofit with the focus of networking churches and resources together around purity. So one of the things I love about Pure Life Alliance is the word alliance, is this, this um, concept that 
we're not the answer for everyone, but we are a answer, and we are partnering with churches. We are in partnership with churches. We're in partnership with counselors in order to offer a holistic view of healing for individuals who struggle with sexual addiction and their spouses who've been betrayed by them. So that's the the overarching picture of Pure Life Alliance and uh, what it's done for me. Um, like I said, I was a, a twofer. I went into groups initially with the, the concept of, you know, my wife wants me to go, so I'm going to go, and, and eventually stepped back. But when I re-engaged and I re-engaged with this desire to actually change, um, God really met me there. But he met me there not, you know, with a voice from heaven saying, you're magically changed. He met me there from individuals that were in the group with me who could speak into my life. And they were able to speak in my life because they've been where I was. I, I, they had some credibility that um, that I was allowing them because I knew they had walked a similar path that I had walked. And that was that was very healing for me. The other thing that they did was they called me out. They recognized my BS when it was there. You know, they, they's <laughs> like, oh, nope, we've heard that before because we've said it so that we're not accepting that. And that's super important for guys who are struggling with addiction. They need that pushback from guys who can say, no, we recognize that lie. That's not truth. Um, and so both are really important. And so through that, through that journey and those guys, that that's what led me to the healing that I have today and the relationship that I have with my wife. And so for me, uh, this ministry is just very special. Uh, you know, anything that's going to help you heal, you're going to have a, a, a good heart for so how exactly does it work? Do I just, do I call it Pure Alliance, Pure Alliance, Pure Life Alliance? Do I call them up and say, um, where do I go? Do I call a church to see if they have it? Do I just show up at a group? Like, does it help women? Like, what type of programs do you offer? And and who's who's essentially that target audience for Pure Life Alliance's services? Yeah. So one thing is anybody who currently we're local, we're local to the Portland metro area. Uh, we're looking at branching out and launching some groups outside of this area and potentially getting to online groups. But right now we're local. And um, the individuals that we help, there, there are three main programs, if you will, that we offer. Two of them are full-fledged programs and the other one's more of an assessment program. And that's one for men who are struggling with unwanted sexual behaviors. And that can range anywhere from a pornography addiction to um, prostitution, acting out with uh, um, strip clubs or same-sex attraction. Any of those things fall under that umbrella of unwanted sexual behavior. It's a behavior that I am wanting to change. Um, and that's that's one of our groups. It would be called Set Free, and our focus is being set free. And what I love about that phrase is the, the Bible says you'll uh, know the truth and the truth will set you free. But if you look at Eugene Peterson's version, it says you will uh, experience the truth. And so it's not just about head knowledge. It's about actually experiencing truth from the other guys in your group. And that's what will set you free. So that's our set free program. Our other program is Hidden Hurt. Um, we call it Hidden Hurt because oftentimes when the wife gets disclosed to, she feels like she can't share with anyone else. She has to hide this because it's her husband's issue and she doesn't want to hurt him or whatever. Maybe she does, I don't know. But the reality is she feels like she can't. That's not her story. Um, and we want them to recognize that actually that's not something that we want. It, it may be a hidden hurt, but that it shouldn't be. There should be people that you can share with. And so that's for wives who have been betrayed, that betrayal trauma aspect. And, and it could be wives or spouses, fiancés. Um, um, that's, that's who that's for. 
And so that's that's who they can that's who we help, and they can get connected with us through our website. Uh, they can get connected to us. Their church may have contact cards um, on their websites or or in their uh, church resource sections. Um, but if they just go to our website and click on programs, they'll see men women, and then the third one's couples. And that's an assessment base. So oftentimes we find when husbands and wives get healing, they get healing separate from each other. And so making that connection back together, it's not always easy. And so we've got this rekindled program that helps them working together uh, in order to kind of answer some of those questions. How do I re-engage? How do I get to where we want to be? And so we take them through an assessment process and then give them some resources that'll help them get from point A to point B. How, uh, thank you for sharing all that, Jeremy. That's awesome. Um, curious about how Pure Life Alliance handles confidentiality. I know a lot of times, um, you know, men and women are hesitant to go into a group setting, especially if it's in person, maybe even at their own church, because they're worried about being spotted, walking into that room by people who know them, etc. And also just sharing, like you were saying, hidden hurts. Maybe there's some shame there or some concern that the cats can get out of the bag before they're ready to disclose to friends and family, if ever. So talk to us about confidentiality with your program. Yeah, confidentiality is super important. Um, and I like to say confidentiality has kind of two coins, or it's a, two sides of a similar coin. So we have a phrase, um, so we have a group guidelines that we have for both men and women. And um, in that, there's a whole section specifically on what confidentiality is and what it isn't. So if you're a part of a group, then we're going to ask that you not bring up anything that's in that group outside of that group with anyone, including your spouse, including, you know, what, what is in that group stays in that group with the exception of your own journey. So I'm not going to keep secret what I'm learning from my wife, but I am not going to tell my wife about, you know, somebody else in the group's journey. So uh, confidentiality is super important. And I think that that's a, a very important thing early in the journey. The reason I said it's two sides to the coin is as we keep our stories confidential, um, we actually, how do I say this in, a, in a, a great way? I believe that when we are set free, when we, when we have found freedom, that's our testimony. And I think we miss out on some of the grace that can be afforded to us by others by not sharing our stories. And oftentimes we don't share our stories because we're afraid of how someone else is going to respond to us. Um, and yet, most often they'll respond with grace. So I'm not saying we should be shouting our stories from the mountaintop, but I do think we should be that God calls us to share our stories, that he works through them. So that level of confidentiality is the individual's choice, though. As a ministry, we're going to hold and protect their stories uh, within the groups that they're in. And then we'll encourage them as they grow to be open-handed with that so they can experience real grace. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious about also, as you're, as you're describing the programs, um, uh, we were, my husband and I were involved in trying to find a group 
therapy for uh, a loved one, um, a friend of ours that uh, needed some help. And this person was just mortified at the thought of going into a group situation and exposing it. This wasn't, um, this was an unwanted sexual behavior uh, situation, but still, uh, I remember this is probably 10 years ago, 10 years ago, thinking, what the heck, why can't they just see someone one-on-one? Why is there all this group therapy? And now having been in a group myself, I see the benefit, but I, you're the executive director of Pure Life Alliance, and I'd love to hear you address this issue with women who might be hesitant to go, you know, share their story or air their dirty laundry, quote unquote, uh, in front of strangers. What's the benefit of, of sharing your story or going through the healing process in a group setting? Yeah, I think the number one answer to that is grace. And, and let me explain that. Um, I believe there are three things that are needed in order for someone to heal, whether it's from betrayal or from sexual addiction, whatever it is. I think there are three aspects um, that are beneficial. Number one is God. Like none of it can happen without God's design, without God's hand in it. Uh, and we get that through the church. We get that through our church community, being able connected to a church that will help us remember that God is first and foremost above everything else. The second thing that is important is we need to work on ourselves. And we get that through counseling, through therapy, through coaching, where we need we need somebody who can help us understand the deeper issues. And you're not going to get that in a support group setting. So I, I would say that individual counseling is super important mm-hmm. because you need to be able to work on some of those deeper issues that got you where you are. But the church is not equipped to deal with a lot of this right up front. And counselors, you're paying to be there. So even if I'm unloading with a counselor, the, uh, the thought, especially for guys who struggle with sexual addiction and identity issues, is well, I'm paying this person. Like, they have to like me. Like, it's like my dad. My dad loves me, but it's because he's my dad, right? Like, it's not, it's not really about me. Um, when you step into a group and you are vulnerable, and the person across from you goes, man, I get it, that sucks, I'm so sorry. Like, I've been there, my husband's done that. My, my, I've, I've been in that behavior before as a man. Like, there is something healing about seeing the grace that you receive from another individual that you don't get when you're not open with others. Hmm. Great answer. I don't, I don't think you could have said it any better. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> Jeremy, with, with that, um, as we close out today's podcast, do you have any words of encouragement that you might be able to give our listeners as they navigate the complexities of their own healing journey? Yeah, I think um, since I'm talking, the majority of your audience has betrayed spouses. So I'm going to share some advice that my wife received, not for me, <laughs> but from our pastor at the time. And that was move slow. Um, there is no reason to rush any decisions. When you've been betrayed, um, there's some healing that has to happen. And there's a lot of things firing. And so um, just move slow, take your time, be thoughtful get the help that you need, the care that you need. Uh, I think that's super important. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, <laughs> I think, well, I really wanted things to move faster because I was in pain and I assumed that if they moved faster, then I'd move through the pain faster. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said. I think as a massage therapist, I'm thinking these people who, who stretch out their muscles and they try to do it quickly. 
without warming the tissue or or there used to be that i don't know do you remember back like in the 80s or 90s where they used to do the sort of the bouncing stretching do you remember that oh, at all i do okay yeah. so and now they now well, we just dated ourselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and they say now oh don't do that that can do make little micro tears or whatever and it's kind of the same thing in healing that when we try to bounce forward and and I, I feel like this analogy is really going south fast so I'm going to try to salvage it um <laughs> but when we try but in all seriousness that you know when we try to do it too quickly we can create more damage so this is this is a place where we really try to press into self-regulation take a deep breath do the exhale allow yourself to experience what you're give yourself permission to do that um because i think often um in our effort to go fast we miss some of the key components and and the god experience that we can have in those key components when we try to move too quickly every season every phase has a purpose and every season and every phase has an important element of healing in it so i think that was fantastic advice that she yeah, got. I'm just tagging on what you were saying. I know personally, I tried to outrun the pain or cover it over, uh, throw confetti on it. Let's sprinkle that with some hot fudge. I don't know. I just like anything to not feel it. And and something that uh, that you guys are both touching on is basically being comfortable to experience, like, you know, press into the pain, get curious about what's underneath it, do a little excavating there. Uh, maybe there's a family of origin story or an unhealthy coping mechanism that God's wanting to undo and give you better tools, hand you better outcomes, um, and give you, give you new experiences to undo and heal the, you know, the damage from before. So taking time is the only way that's going to happen. Don't rush the process. Yeah. Well, and from a, a men's perspective on that side of the journey, for me, I had destroyed a lot in the relationship. And in my mind, I said, if I could just get back to here, then I'll be good. And so I very quickly went through healing. I mean, I, I did it well. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't just skipping stuff, but I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I got, Check the boxes. I got to one place. And then as soon as I got there, I was ready to get to the next place. And my therapist stopped me and he goes, dude, you just did a lot of really good work. Why don't you sit in this moment and enjoy what you've earned rather wow. than rushing past it? Uh, and the other side of that is I realized I'm so glad I never got back to where I was. Yeah. Because where I was with my wife wasn't great. Right. I'm glad that by taking my time, I got so much farther. Yeah. People always say, oh, I just want it to go back. I just want my life the no, way it don't. was. <laughs> and I'm like, do you really? Really? Well, I don't. I, I mean, I, I get what they're saying, mm -hmm. but how about let's do it better. Let's go forward with new. Let's yeah. go forward with heal, healed and with authenticity and yeah. vulnerability yeah. and these new tools that we have. Our brains love what's familiar and almost always our brain will choose a familiar hell over an unfamiliar heaven. Wow. And so. Whoa. Uh, uh, Mic well, drop. Well. <laughs> I, I did see that on Instagram today, so, <laughs> but it was a great reminder. It was a really great reminder that our brains really do love what is, what is familiar. And, and so there's a reason why we want to, we want to go back to that place, Jeremy, that you said, but something that you and I, Chris have talked about over the years is learning to be comfortable with pain. I'm comfortable with your discomfort. I'm comfortable with my own discomfort. And if we can learn to be comfortable with discomfort, 
we will have a significant advantage to navigating life and resilience in our life. Yeah. Good. Well said. Yep. So there you have it, friends. Um, If you or anyone you know is in need of finding a healing place, you're going to find links to Pure Life Alliance uh, and the website where you can go and uh, and reach out to someone there online. Someone will contact you and get you uh, processed, answer your questions, just put some loving arms around you and bring you in. So whether you are a betrayed spouse looking for, for help and support, some mentoring, uh, some, a safe place to be heard and, uh, to learn some new tools and gather community, uh, they're going to do that for you. And they also have men's programs as well. So there's help for both you and your spouse at Pure Life Alliance. And, uh, yeah, we're we're excited for you and what God has in store. So we totally encourage you to reach out, be vulnerable, take the step. You really have nothing to lose and so much to gain. Yes, yes. And thank you for being here today with us, Jer- Jeremy. We really appreciate that you are willing to share your story and how your story has turned into something that you are using to help other people. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I I pray that your podcast just keeps continuing to spread because you guys have so much good information. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's because of guests like you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our podcast community. Your support is valuable, and we're here to serve you. So remember that healing is a journey, not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovery and transformation together, know that you are never alone. Stay strong, stay hopeful, and keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. Until next time, take care and keep embracing your journey of healing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. We hope you've been helped and encouraged. If you value the content we shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show. Need personalized guidance? Please contact Chris or Jen for transformative coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance Ministries.